Welcome to You Are Not A Goat. If you want to follow your passion and do what you love, this is the podcast for you. Without further ado, here's your host, Slimy Zions. Hello and welcome to another amazing episode of You Are Not A Goat. My name is Shlomi Zayans and I'm your host. Welcome back to the show. So this week is our first anniversary. It's one year since we started You Are Not A Goat. It was started on March 17th. That's when the first episode, the first full episode, was released. March 17th, 2019. So this week we celebrate a full year of the podcast and I could not be happier with the results. When I started, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a good idea if people were going to listen to it, but the results have completely blown my mind and my expectations. Listen to this. We have listeners in over 30 countries, and I'm going to go through a list of the countries right now just so you can get an idea of how much this thing has grown. So we have listeners in the United States, in Canada, in Israel, in the United Kingdom, in France, in Germany, in Turkey, in Australia, in Switzerland, in Cuba, of all places. Wow, Cuba. Sweden, India, Saudi Arabia, Ireland, Colombia, Italy, Norway, Panama, Singapore, United Arab Emirates, Denmark, Hong Kong, Kazakhstan, Lebanon, Mexico, Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Ukraine, and Argentina. Now, I need to give a special shout-out to the people in France because I only know a couple of people in France, but we have a gigantic listenership in France. I don't know who these people are. I don't really know who... Most of these listeners are at all, but France is going above and beyond. I'm not sure why, but they love this podcast. So thank you to all the people in France. Thank you to every single one of you who's been listening to this podcast. I've been having a great time making it. I hope you're enjoying it as well. And according to the numbers we're seeing with all the thousands of listeners, you guys are enjoying it. So thank you so, so much. I love hearing your feedback and your comments and your occasional criticism. Love doing it. I look forward to doing many, many, many more episodes of this podcast together with you guys. So, this week, everyone's talking about one thing, coronavirus, and I know it's coming out of your ears, you don't want to hear about it anymore, all you can hear about, everywhere you go, everything you see, everything you read, everything you talk about, it's all coronavirus, and everyone is sick of it. So, we're going to take your mind off coronavirus a drop by focusing on something else, which is a little bit related to coronavirus. There's a man who lives in Texas, his name is Ron Hubbard, and he sells bomb shelters, he owns a company called... Atlas Safety Shelters, and what they do is they sell all these sort of shelters that can survive nuclear bombing attack, a pandemic, uh, chemical attacks, all sorts of stuff that we hope never, ever, ever happens. Anyhow, I had a conversation with Mr. Hubbard, fascinating conversation. He builds these shelters, made many hundreds of them. They're, he shipped them to places all over the world. He works with the government. Um, fascinating, fascinating business to run. And just a really enlightening conversation. Now, because people are so worried about coronavirus and because it's stopping so much of the world economy and so much of what's going on, you know, we're used to seeing flights, thousands of flights every day, right? We're used to seeing sports games, um, malls open, restaurants. That's the way life was until a couple of days ago. But now we've completely seen the world change because of this coronavirus. So many people are starting to think about what would happen if there was a nuclear bomb? What would happen if there was a chemical attack? What would happen if there was some kind of apocalypse? Which is why Mr. Hubbard's business, Atlas Safety Shelters, is getting a crazy amount of inquiries of people who want to buy his shelters. So to understand what the man does, 
what he sells, and what the business is all about. We had a conversation with him, and now you can have the great pleasure of listening to this fascinating conversation. I should warn you, though, if you have anxiety or you're going to get into panic, this is not the episode for you. Just, you know, take a nap, read a book, have a tea. Do not listen to this. Uh, many people would say that Mr. Hubbard is perhaps a conspiracy theorist or just somebody who's paranoid, but many other people think that his business is very valuable and can provide life-saving equipment to people who need it. So that's for you to judge. You'll decide after you listen to the interview. And stick around right after the interview because I'm going to be doing a little bit of a giveaway. So after the interview is done, stick around and you can get the details on that. Hey, Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. So your name is Ron Hubbard. Just to get things started, are you related to the founder of Scientology? No relation. Uh, we just have the same name, but no relation. Okay, does it help you in any way or does it make business bad for you? No, no. It doesn't help me. It doesn't make business bad. It doesn't do anything. It just confuses some people, but a lot of people think, I've heard of you. I'm like, well, no, that guy's dead. I'm alive. Right. Good for you. Okay. So you have a very interesting business, Atlas Survival Shelters. Uh, you make underground shelters that are supposed to be able to survive a nuclear war? Yes, sir, I do. I make uh, what we call all disaster shelters. My shelters are designed to um, survive the after effects of nuclear war from the radiation. They're designed to survive uh, airborne pandemics, and they're also designed to uh, survive any kind of a chemical attack as well. And how long have you been doing this? I've been doing this since 2010, so I've been doing it a decade. A decade, right. And how did you get involved in this uh, industry? Um. Uh, I actually wanted a shelter for myself back in 2009 or eight or something like that. I was looking for a shelter for myself. And as I searched for people to make me a shelter, there was only a few companies that made them. And uh, the first company I went to, uh, they were in Utah called Utah Shelter Systems. They're not in business anymore, but all they made was a shelter out of a piece of culvert pipe with a floor in it and an air system, and it was just too bland, very simple. It was something that would be no fun to go into. The second company I went and looked at was a company called Deep Earth Bunkers, and they made a shelter that was square, kind of like a shipping container, and I went and saw them, and, and they were in Texas, and they had a short TV series at the time called Doomsday Bunkers, and uh, it just the design, the quality of the shelter was not very good. It wasn't very deep on the ground, so it wasn't what I wanted. Plus, he wanted a million dollars for a shelter. It was just ridiculous. And then the third company had been around a long time. They made fiberglass shelters, and it was called Radius Engineering, and he's not in business any longer either. And his shelters were about $450,000, and my budget was around fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 that I wanted to do what I wanted to spend. So I didn't buy anything. So for over a year, I just basically contemplated on what to do. So eventually 
I came up with a design that was dog-friendly because I asked them about bringing my pets, and they said, well, you don't bring your pets. I'm like, no, I'm going to make a shelter that is dog-friendly that you can bring your pets. So basically, I went to the drawing board, and I, I took what I learned about attenuating gamma radiation, about the 90-degree turns, about the air systems, because I didn't know anything about how the air system worked. But it took me uh, maybe almost two years uh, to basically learn enough to get enough information that I went ahead to the drawing board and I designed a shelter that had one way in, two ways out, had an escape tunnel with a special door that would only open to the outside. And um, and it built my own bunker. And uh, so I did it for myself. And then um, luckily I met somebody uh, from the Department of Defense that had worked in building the bomb shelters for the U.S. government. And they kind of befriended me, and he came in and gave me a lot of knowledge and experience on how to do the air pipes and do a lot of other things. And next thing I know, uh, my shelter got specced by the United States Air Force because of the changes I made. And, and then uh, uh, more people contacted me through social media because they heard I was making shelters. So I started the company called Atlas Survival Shelters in 2011. And... Uh, you know, I did steady business for the first year. I mean, because it was kind of a side job for me. I had another company that made front entry doors for homes, right iron doors for glass. So I was actually making the shelters in the back of my shop. And I probably made uh, nine or ten the first year. And they averaged about $70,000. Mm-hmm. And so then the Mayan calendar thing was coming up, December 21st, 2012, where, where the end of the world was coming. So... There was a little spike there, a little more interest, but no one was really serious about that they thought uh, uh, the end of the world was coming. But I remember in those days that uh, a man would want to buy the shelter and his wife would think he was crazy, and or the woman wanted to buy the shelter and the husband thought she was crazy. But ironically, you fast forward about four years and nobody thinks nobody's crazy for having a shelter. And then you fast forward to today um, they come in as couples and they just like want to know how fast they can get a shelter. So this coronavirus, I'm going to answer, I can answer your question before you ask it. Are people buying the shelters because of the coronavirus? Yeah, the answer is absolutely, pardon me? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask that question for sure. Well, I'm going to answer The answer is absolutely not. Not a single person is buying a shelter for only the coronavirus. But what the coronavirus does, has done, it has opened up the eyes of a lot of people who have been on the fence deciding whether they want a shelter or not. And this coronavirus has been the thing that has pushed them over the fence and said, you know what, if this, this virus now can cause this much trouble, cause stock markets to crash, cause people to be trapped at home, What's going to happen when the big one really comes? Because in my opinion, in 99% of people's opinions, this is not good, this coronavirus, but this isn't the big one. This is not our generation's Spanish flu like they had in 1918. That one killed 50 million people and infected 500 million people. We haven't seen our generation's Spanish-type flu or the big one. So we will get through this coronavirus and we will survive. But a lot of people realize that, you know what, they don't want to go through this again. So they've decided that having a safe room or a shelter in their house, what we call a safe cellar, 
built into the body of the house or added to the backyard would be a wise investment because they don't want to be caught with their pants down again. So this is their plan B, is having a shelter on their property, in their house, or under their house if they're building a new house. So it feels like when you go down in the shelter, you're going down a set of stairs and you're going into a basement. That's all it feels like. The difference is the safe sellers, the shelters that we are making at Atlas Survival Shelters, uh, are being utilized as wine cellars, gun rooms, van caves, offices, root cellars, storage. God knows what they're all being used for. So they're a part of the house, no right. different than the bathroom is part of the house. You only go to the bathroom when you need to go to the bathroom, and that's when you go in there. But a, a shelter can be no different than any other room in the house. You can utilize it. And so that's how we're promoting them. Uh, so we don't call them bomb shelters, although they're basically a certified nuclear fallout shelter. We don't call them bomb shelters. We just call them safe sellers, and then you decide as the homeowner – whether you want it to become a wine cellar, a beautiful wine cellar, a beautiful gun room, a trophy room, or just a fault or a panic room. So different people in different countries are using the shelters for different reasons. The people in South Africa are using the shelters out on the ranches and the farms because um, a lot of the farmers are being uh, raided, murdered, and killed right. by local villagers. So that's why they get them. In Mexico, kidnappings is the number one country in the world for kidnappings. So the wealthy people in Mexico are realizing they want shelters and safe rooms for kidnappings. You come to the U.S., depends on where you live in the U.S., in Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, North Texas, we have tornadoes all, almost every other day. So they look at it this way. I want the shelter as part of my house because, one, I want to sleep in there on the nights that we have tornadoes. Two, in case a tornado does come during the day, I can run down there. And three, um, I have a gun collection. I want to display it on the wall and make it a beautiful gun room. So if people go on my Atlas Survival Shelter website, they're going to see all the different ways we have drawn out and showed how your basement safe seller extra room can be decked out so you can utilize it as an everyday part of your house. Yeah, and I went to your website. I was really impressed. You have a lot of a lot of impressive designs and you guys have thought of everything. Like tell me about some of the features that you have in these shelters. Well, it depends on the size of the shelter. The largest shelters we make are no different than a house. They have um they have bathrooms, kitchens, um, showers, uh, entertainment centers, big screen TVs, private master bedrooms, uh, leather couches. No different than if you checked into a hotel, what would you expect to find? Expect to find a room with a shower, two beds, and a TV? Well, a shelter is the same way. They'll be, they can be built out as nice and as beautiful as any home or as any house. Right. Well, that's the extreme, and that could cost you anywhere from $200,000 and up. A lot of people are buying these small safe sellers that I mentioned earlier, okay? These start at $25,000. And what does a $25,000 shelter feel like? Well, you go down inside it, it feels like pretty much four square walls. It feels more like a jail cell, okay? You would have a pair of folding bunk beds, you would have an air system on the wall, and you would have a toilet, okay? And it really feels like you're being in the county jail because that shelter I just mentioned will be seven feet by 10 feet in a county jail 
I believe a federal prison cell is seven feet is a seven. Yeah, it's like seven by ten. So it's the same size as a federal prison cell that somebody may spend their entire life in. But unlike them, we'll put in nice flooring if they want. They can put in some vinyl flooring. You can have whatever you want in there. But that's the bare minimum. You know, one analogy I use with people, if you were drowning and a boat comes to your rescue, you don't ask what size is the boat. All you know is you want to get your butt out of the water and crawl into the boat because anything that's floating is going to save your life. Well, my disaster shelters are the same thing. Of course, you'd rather get rescued by an 80-foot yacht than an 8-foot dinghy, okay, because you get on the yacht, you're going to go into a nice, probably sit on a couch in a bedroom in a yacht. But the point is you're out of the water and you're not drowning. So we all, would all love to be rescued by a yacht, but the thing is we all can't afford it. So up until about two, three years ago, the only shelters that were available to the normal person would be like the 80-foot yacht shelters, the luxury shelters. And I thought to myself, that's sad that the, the most 95% of the population, which is your blue-collar people, that may own a home and have a small backyard that they don't have anything available to them. So I personally set out on a quest to design a line of shelters called the NATO series. And NATO stands for tornado. And the NATO series has like why NATO, it has guard NATO, it has NATO safe, uh, fire NATO, uh, bomb NATO. It has different types of smaller shelters. Some are walk-in shelters, like you don't, so they're handicap accessible. Some have ladders to go down inside them, and they're buried underground. Some have stairs to go into them. But the point is, I designed a class of shelters that the least expensive shelter is $10,000 with an air system, that is, which is the apparatus that will allow you to breathe the air, filtered air, all the way up to 42000 So there's not a shelter in the category less than 10000 or more than 42000 Well, my friend, that is, that is the price of your standard working man's car in America. So if you can afford to buy a car in America as a working-class blue-collar man, I have now made it available or I've made it possible for the average person in this country to be able to afford to have a shelter so they can survive just like all the millionaires and the billionaires are going to because every single billionaire in this world has not only one bunker, but they have a series of bunkers. And Mm -hmm. I did a YouTube video on my YouTube channel um, with Bill Gates about he has 11 properties and he put a shelter on all 11 of his properties and he spent about $5 million per bunker, allegedly. And so he spent, you know, uh, supposedly $55 million doing 11 bunkers. Now in the interview, he quote, I'm going to quote him. He goes, he puts the likelihood of a pandemic in his lifetime at greater than 50%. Now, this interview is just, I, I don't know if I did it six, seven months ago, but it, it wasn't very long ago. And ironically, we're in this pandemic now. But he also puts the likelihood of nuclear fallout in his lifetime is very low. So I'm one of those people that feel the same way as Bill Gates. This is why... I make my shelters, they are, they will protect you from nuclear fallout, but they are all airtight because I really worry about the unseen danger, which is an, uh, 
an airborne pandemic. And I, when I say airborne, I don't mean like the what they're calling the airborne now where you sneeze it on somebody. I'm talking about like where it could actually be in the wind blowing like pollen through the air or like smoke would be carried through the air. Uh, we've never seen nothing like that in our lifetimes. But my filter in my air in my shelters, which is made in Switzerland, I do not make my own air system. I'm buying and installing $10,000 NBC air filtration systems. NBC stands for nuclear, biological, and chemical. But I'm putting these $10,000 air systems in my larger shelters without have a manual crank on them in case you lose power. They are electric, but if you lose power, a little six-year-old can crank them with one hand. Uh-huh. In my smaller shelters, uh, I'm putting in a small American-made air system that has six pounds of carbon versus 60 pounds of carbons in my larger shelters. But I have to make a smaller air system to be able to keep it in a class where it is still an affordable shelter. Um so the air system going into NATO series shelters for the working class man uh, is AC and DC operated, and yet it still even has a manual crank to operate it uh, if you lose power. So I've done my part for the world to create all these different classes of shelters. So Atlas Survival Shelters um, is the only company in the world uh, that actually produces every single type of shelter that is available, which is round, square, monolithic, silo, concrete, you name it, Atlas builds it. And the factory that I met this week in Texas, uh, which is a new factory less than two years old, is also the largest bomb shelter factory anywhere in the world. It is completely full of shelters wall to wall. You can't walk two feet between shelters right now. They are that, that many shelters and they're being packed in there and being built to supply the demand and the needs of the people who want them at this time, not because of the coronavirus, but because the coronavirus was the deciding factor to say, wow, if this would have been the big one, we would have had zero protection, nowhere to go. So they are spending their money and putting in shelters into their new homes or in the backyards of their existing homes. So if this ever happens again, or if we ever see a war, or we ever see a civil war, or we ever see another pandemic, or we ever see another natural disaster, everybody who has this has their plan B. And when you have plan B, you sleep at night and you don't worry about what are you going to do in case. Wow. And can I ask you, how many uh, shelters have you built to date? How many have I built to date? Well, um, God, I have, someone's asked me that before. I don't know. It's, in, it's hundreds. But this year, because of the smaller shelters that I was describing in the NATO safe, um, we're projected to put out somewhere between five and 600 of the smaller shelters. But next year, we're projected to put out somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000. Uh, because they're small, they're affordable, and the builders, the home builders in America agree with me that they think it would be an added value for their home for them to add one of the Atlas safe sellers into the foundation of the house, like a basement, uh, and the homeowner wouldn't mind paying the extra thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 or more if it's a larger house. The larger homes that are million-dollar homes, they don't buy thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 shelters. 
they buy $100,000 shelters because, look, the house has everything. It has a wine cellar. It has a pool room. It has a, a movie theater. The wine uh, the safe cellar is the new hot item on the housing market. I've seen it in so many uh, magazines. New hot item on housing market, safe rooms. Well, people have safe rooms where they just make a fake room in between the walls, but they won't stop a flying bullet or they won't stop flying debris or tornadoes. The safe rooms that I do them are really safe. They're bulletproof. They're tornado-proof. They're protected from airborne pandemics or anything, smoke or anything. The only thing my shelter will not protect you from is a flood. If a flood comes, you must leave. The shelter is not a submarine. It's a shelter. So that's the only thing I cannot protect most people from on the top of my head is a flood. Mm-hmm. And I read that you worked with the U.S. government. I work with a lot of governments. Um, I work with a lot of governments and a lot of individuals. I've had over 1,100 companies apply to become dealers for Atlas Survival Shelters in the last two years. Uh, I've got probably no less than 10 or 11 today, uh, all the way from uh, Saudi Arabia to Qatar to Alaska, to Canada, to where who I'll call me today, a couple from the United Kingdom, um, Wyoming, uh, Colorado, Nebraska. I mean, that's just today. Because people are realizing that people are worried and they have nowhere to go. So if you go and Google the term bomb shelters, the first thing that's going to pop up is Atlas Survival Shelters. And one thing, let me say one thing about our company. I'm very proud of the product that we have produced. We did a lot of R&D before we really even went into any kind of high-capacity production. We didn't just take an existing tornado shelter, throw in an air system, and sell it to people and tell them it was a nuclear bomb shelter. But there's a company or two out there that has done exactly that. And those shelters are not working or they've already failed, they've flooded. I have taken the time to make sure that I have the best air system the shelters are watertight. The air systems have the larger pipes and they're hot dip galvanized. The hatches are AR-500. They're bulletproof steel. Uh, the doors are gas tight, so submarine doors. Uh, if you name it, I have tried to make it the best that money could buy. I didn't care what the cost was. That's how I do it. So I have received a lot of praise I on my YouTube channel, which is under the same name, Atlas Survival Shelters. Gets over 2 million views a month. On a good month, I might get 2.5 to 3 million. But I put out a video like every one or one or two times a week. I put out a video just showing us installing a shelter, showing a new type of shelter, uh, because there's different types of shelters. Like we make a round culvert shelter out of galvanized pipe, which is a military-style bunker. But the thing is, you can't use it in all situations because the 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 culvert pipe, which have a seam in it, is not classified as watertight. So if you were to put one in some place like Houston, Texas, it would probably flood and you'd lose your money. So we have to make an all-welded watertight one that's like, you know, just solid steel. But the culvert pipe works very well in places that's very dry soil that doesn't have a high water table, like California, Utah, Colorado, Nevada, Arizona. Uh, but if you have a very high water table like Mississippi, Florida, South Texas, Typically, we go to a watertight shelter. Watertight shelters can be either round or square. 
but the round will go deeper and they have under the floor storage where the square one, it would be like taking a single car garage, piling up all your supplies in there, going in there and having to live amongst all the supplies and barrels of water. So getting the food stored under the floor like you would on an airplane, same principle. You get on an airplane, they put all the luggage under your floor, you fly, the airplane's nice and clean upside. Uh, on the top side, when you land, they pull the luggage out. Well, the round shelters are under the same principle. All the food and water, plumbing, electrical is stored under the floor, and above it stays nice and clean and organized so it feels like a home. When you're in a shelter and you may be in there, let's say, 30 days, the one thing you want to feel is you want to feel normal, you don't want to feel claustrophobic, and you want it to be as comfortable as possible. And I tested one of my bunkers. I spent 11 days at one of my bunkers back on December 21st, 2012, during the Mayan calendar. I went down to my bunker for 11 days. I wanted to see what it was like. And, of course, a lot of news media came out there and filmed me. Good morning, America, the Today Show, Neil Cavuto on Fox. And just tons of Because I was the only person in America that went into his bunker for this December 21st that I knew of. They couldn't find anybody else that was going to shelter up. But I wanted to do it, and I wanted to use it for two reasons. One, I wanted to see what it felt like. Number two, you know, what what, what if they were true and it was the end of the world, which I wasn't worried about. But I thought it would be a good time to test it. And, of course, the news got wind of me doing it, and the media blitz came. So I had quite a few media people come down there, so I wasn't very lonely. But one thing, there's things I did learn about the shelters at the time, things that I was missing that I made uh, additions to it, I made changes, so the next generation of shelters wouldn't have that, because when you're in a shelter, I realize if you want doors, okay, it's very nice to have a door to a bathroom, because that's your private moment, you know, it's like when you go to a public bathroom, the stalls, they all have doors, you know, mm-hmm. although, it, but you feel comfortable, even though you can see under the stall door, and you see other people's feet, when the door is closed, you feel like you have your space, so I didn't have any doors in my shelter, and uh, and I changed that. After that, I decided all my shelters would have doors because you didn't have any private time, and I did not like that. So I implemented that change and uh, a couple other minor ones. But for the most part, I nailed it right the first time. So it was just nothing but uh, small things that I made changes for. But now everybody experiences it, and uh, I've got hundreds, if not thousands, of very happy customers. And, I'm already on to a, a second generation of customers that they bought their first bunker, they're selling the property, and now they're already buying their second bunker. I've several of those have come forward the last month. Wow. And do you ever get people who tell you that you're just paranoid or there's no need for this, a waste of money, all that kind of thing? Never, never, never. No one ever says that. No one thinks like that. Look, an insurance uh, shelter is your insurance policy. Okay, you have, you have car insurance for your car. Are you paranoid for having car insurance? No, no. You'd be paranoid if you didn't have car insurance. Would you be paranoid if you have insurance on your house? No, you'd be paranoid that if the house blew down in a tornado or in a fire, you'd lose all your money. So why would anybody feel paranoid by insuring the most important thing in the world, which is your life and the lives of your family? So the answer is absolutely not. There's, but there's always some a negative person out there that thinks people who have a shelter might be paranoid or crazy. But, it, it, sir, I can tell you, every person I've sold a shelter to in the last week um, is a president of a company 
or a former retired president of a company, and I would say 98% of the people buy my shelters have a college education. The largest percentage of people who buy uh, shelters from me as a profession are doctors. Doctors love shelters. Okay, I'm, I'm saying they may only be 5% of my customers or less, but a lot of doctors buy shelters. But the one thing they have in common, they're college educated, they're successful, um, and they love their family, and they think it's a very good, smart move. And uh, it, they don't want to worry again about losing their family or their lives in some sort of man-made or national disaster. So absolutely, 100%, no, nobody is paranoid. Wow. And let me ask you this. You said that your shelters are not uh, safe from flooding. Do you have any way, like let's say someone lives in Houston, Texas, do you have any shelter that you can help them with or, or not? No. When a flood comes, you got to go to the high ground. I mean, that's why you see people crawling on the roofs of their house waiting to be rescued by helicopters. Um, no, there's nothing you can do for a flood except go to the high ground. Like I said, that is the one thing that, um, unless you're in a submarine out in the middle of the ocean, but my shelters, although they may have gas-tight, airtight doors, they are not submarines. And if the air pipe that breathes, that breathes in the air goes underwater, you'll suffocate. So you cannot go in the shelter during a flood. That is the only thing they will not protect you from that I have come across. No, I understand, but the question is, if, if there is a flood, does the shelter get wrecked or it stays uh, dry? Well, it depends on the amount of gas-tight doors and the type of the shelter. A lot of my shelters have two, two series of gas-tight doors, so you have to go through an airlock, an air chamber. Um, if the two doors will hold back the water, no, the, the shelter will not flood, Okay. But they're classified as gas-tight and airtight, not watertight. There is watertight doors available that they are actually used on submarines. If somebody was to have an airtight door, if you're trying to ask, can I make a watertight shelter that would survive a flood? The yeah. answer is absolutely yes. There are watertight doors. They're about $6,000 a piece to $10,000 a piece. And you find them on submarines. They lock down. They have a turn handle. But why would anybody in God's green earth want to go underground and be stuck in a bunker during a flood because there's no escape? If you open something, the water would gush in and kill you. So it makes zero sense to even try to make a shelter that would, that would survive a regular flood. Now, people do worry about tidal waves or a giant tsunami coming in, and if that was coming, would I go in my shelter? The answer is yes, I would, because the tsunami would come in, and then it would go back. And the shelter, I believe, would survive that is fine. But to be in a shelter with flooded water for, let's say, and you're flooded for seven to ten days before the water recedes, no. Uh, I wouldn't do it. It might affect your, your, energy, your power source because uh, uh, the shelter may be running on solar panels. And the flood could take away the solar panels, and you have batteries inside. And then when the batteries run out, you can't heat food. You may not have light, so you're on DC batteries. It's just a bad idea to be in a bunker during a flood. The odds of you dying are very great.
Right, but just, so, just to be perfectly clear with my question, my question is if someone invests $100,000 in a shelter and then a flood comes, no, they don't go down to the shelter for the flood, but will the shelter survive the flood? Meaning, will they have to get a new shelter after the flood or the shelter will be okay? There's a, there's a, very, there's a very good chance that they will lose the shelter in a flood. Mm-hmm. And I and I saw that when they had the use when they had the hurricane Katrina or whatever it was in Houston or not, whatever the Harvey or whatever the Harvey, hurricane yeah. that hit Houston two years ago. Yeah, I did have a bunker flood. Okay, but I don't have many bunkers in Houston, Texas. And are they upset or mad? The answer is no, because it's, I've made it very clear: do not put your shelter in the low ground. If you're going to put your shelter in a place that is prone to floods. Go to the high ground. If you have a ranch, go to the highest spot on the ranch. Put the shelter there. The rest of the ranch can flood, but at least you're on the high ground. Then you will be fine. Right. No different than an island. Find the part that's going to be above water when, when the oceans rise. It's called an island. So you put your shelter on the highest spot, typically, if, you're, if your land is prone to flooding. And this conversation we just had about flooding never really comes up between me and preppers and people buying shelters. It's just common sense. You don't put your shelter in the low ground. You put it on the high ground for flooding. And I always ask people, if you were to call me up and say, hey, I want to buy a bunker, what should I be looking for? I would say, well, be looking for land that has elevation changes where you can find the high ground, find land that is not prone to flooding, but also find land that you don't have such a high water table that when we dig down, we incur water because that means we can't do a culvert shelter. We'll have to do an all-welded watertight shelter. But on the other hand, you do need water to survive. So having access to a source of water is very important because that is the number one thing you need to survive. You're going to need water, then you're going to need food, and then you're going to need power. And, you know, the, the main things when people survive is shelter, water, and food. Uh, and of course you want to get fire, but shelter is always number one. You can survive with, without food and water for a time, but nobody can survive without shelter. You will get pneumonia and you will freeze, shiver, or just die of exposure. Wow. And you guys do a lot of, uh, I've seen these hidden shelters, meaning that they're not under a house. It's just like out, uh, you know, somewhere in a field or on a ranch. There was a segment that you did with National Geographic. Would that, would that be correct? I, I, I probably, I, yes, I've done National Geographic. I've been on pretty much every network in the world that I can think of. So, yes, but I've been on that geo several times. Right. So how does it work with these hidden shelters? Like, I could just think for myself, if I ordered a shelter, I wouldn't want anyone to know where it is. So when people call you, so like, all the shelters, all the shelters are hidden. I mean, you, you don't want anybody to know where your shelter's at. Uh, otherwise, in a time of crisis, your next door neighbor will probably become your worst enemy because if it's between your family and his family, seriously, he may kill your family and take your shelter. So um, I've had people say that the shelter is more important than their bank account. Um, they could lose their bank account and live, but if you lose your shelter in a time of crisis, that shelter may be the only thing that keeps you alive. So when you do put in a shelter, you've got to teach your youngest, your kids, stop bragging about daddy has a bomb shelter because they may laugh at it at the time. But the thing is, nobody laughs anymore. We used to be a time when people laughed. There was an episode of The Twilight Zone uh, called The Shelter that made back in 1961 about a guy who built a shelter under his house. And all the neighbors were laughing at him 
And then, so he gets his shelter done, and then the news comes on that missiles are flying in from Russia. So every neighbor in the street was beating down his door, got into his house, went down into his basement, was trying to break into the door to get into the man's shelter. And he was inside there with his wife and one other person. And that was the, the episode of the Twilight Zone, where it was the only episode where it was a realistic type of situation. And then it comes off the news that it was a false alarm. Then all the neighbors are apologizing. I'm sorry, I didn't mean what I said, and all these things. So people could Google it and look it up. But uh, no, I've seen it for myself. Even in uh, and when Hawaii, when the when the, the people of Hawaii thought a missile was coming in two years ago, everybody was running for their lives, and they were panicking. They were calling and texting their loved ones, saying, "Oh my God, I love you. If I die today, I love you." Thinking that missiles were flying in from North Korea. So trust me, you don't want to. To experience that, that's why the shelters are the plan B. They don't cost that much. They're the only form of insurance you can buy for yourself. And you don't have to pay for it every year. You pay for it one time, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. every single year, you renew your insurance policy on both your house and your car, and you pay the money in gladly, and you never complain. And if you added up the money you paid on your auto insurance and your health insurance, it will far surpass, and if you, especially if you throw in your medical insurance, it will far surpass the amount of money you will invest in your shelter. And all those are to, to help you during an accident where the only one that's going to keep you alive before the accident happens is the shelter. So it's a great investment. It's a smart move, and it's going to become the new normal in America. And it's already mandated by law in several countries in the world that you must have a house and you must have this safe room that is uh, capable of withstanding nuclear fallout. Israel, mandatory. Switzerland, mandatory. Finland, mandatory. Singapore, mandatory. So as more countries make it mandatory, there will be more demand for shelter. So right now, having a shelter in the USA is a, is a voluntary process. You elect to have one yourself. But I believe in, in the years coming, more and more countries are going to probably pass laws that make it mandatory that you have a shelter. No different than when Oklahoma, more Oklahoma, it's been hit by like four tornadoes in the last 10 years, uh, that they pass laws that make it uh, mandatory that new home construction must have a tornado shelter built into the foundation. I'm just making it mandatory. I'm trying to get it to make it mandatory that people have a new shelter built into the foundation. No different than the tornado shelter. It's just my shelter, instead of being a tornado shelter, is an all-disaster shelter, and it will survive that tornado. It will survive that pandemic. It will survive that fallout. It will survive the chemical attack. It will survive a home invasion. But it's large enough that the kids can use it as a playroom. The man can use it as his trophy room or his gun room, uh, or it could become a wine cellar. It could become anything you want. Some of them are so big that they have pool tables and ping-pong tables. And you name it, they have it. You can have anything from a bowling alley to a game room to anything to shooting ranges. Shooting ranges are very popular. Put them in where they're long enough where they can go down there under their own house and shoot their guns under their own house. You don't think that's fun to be able to shoot guns at your own house in your own shooting range under the floor? Yet with the flip of a switch and the closing of a door, your shooting range becomes a nuclear bomb shelter. So you can see why the wealthy people are realizing that wow, this would just be fun to have the bunker. Hey, you know what? 
I've got me a bomb shelter too. So there you have it, my friend. Wow. And do you ever have people who uh, who want to install their own shelter because they don't want you to know where it is? Every single day. I use an analogy. If you're going to bury a chest of gold, would you hire somebody or would you go bury it yourself? You would bury it yourself. But like, what if someone has no experience? I guess they hire you. Well, if you can change four tires on a car, you can install one of my bunkers because I've made it that simple. Wow. Okay, and so, last question. Yeah. I, 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 look, I've tried to think as... as I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I've tried to think out everything for the average person. Um, if you're physically capable, you do want to try to be involved in the installation of the shelter yourself, because Lord knows you don't want you don't you need you want as few people to know about where it's located and what's inside it as possible. And so, if you can install it yourself, you install it yourself. If you have no means to do anything then you hire a crew to come in to do it. and But you always want an out-of-state crew to come and do it, so you don't have to worry about those people coming back to your shelter. Right. And how many employees do you have? Um, right now, I have about 30 employees. Wow. And, and uh, we are, we are, we are going to go to full autom- uh, not automation. We're going to go to our production line. And when our production line starts, we will be somewhere between 70 and 75 employees. And, and we will be putting out somewhere between eight and ten shelters a day. Pardon me? It's all made in Texas? Yes, sir. The new factory in Texas. And uh, it's an hour east of Dallas. That's awesome. Um, okay. Like I said, it's a massive facility. It's huge. And last question. If you could have a beer with anybody in the world, alive or dead, throughout history, who would it be? I can have a beer with anybody uh, in, throughout history. Well, it would be somebody from the past because I, uh, it would probably be the guy who built the uh, built the pyramids because that, that's an engineering wonder. I would like to see how they built those pyramids. Uh, so I would have to go back to one of those. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to go back in history because they still don't know how they built things back in those days and how they moved, moved rocks that weighed 50,000 pounds and they fit like a glove. I want to know if they actually knew how to levitate boulders or, you know, I watch too many channels that are about, you know, uh, uh, alien wonders and stuff like that. I would just like to know how they built those things because I'm so curious about that. So, uh, you know, you asked me a question I've never really thought about, but uh, it would be somebody in the past, that's for sure. Well, that's a very unique answer. And you know what, going back uh, to the people who, who built the pyramids, that's a long trip. You know, that would be a long time ago, but I want to know how, and even the people who built this stuff in Greece, how the, you know what I'm talking about, how the stones, they fit so perfectly together. Yeah. I want to see that done. I want to know how they did so many things. Um, I would just like to see it. So I look forward to learning for myself how they did things. Well, thank you so, so much for your time. Uh, much luck with your business, and I'm sure it's going to be booming. Um, where can people find out about your company uh, first of all, they can follow me on YouTube. Uh, I have almost 200,000 subscribers right now at Atlas Survival Shelters. That's my YouTube channel. And my company is the same name, Atlas Survival Shelters. And it's atlassurvivalshelters.com. Okay, Ron Hubbard, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with everything and uh, stay safe. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Bye-bye. 
So that was Ron Hubbard, founder and president of Atlas Safety Shelters. I thought it was a fascinating conversation, and I hope you did too. I enjoyed it. I think it's a really cool toy to have, actually. If I could afford it, maybe one day I'll get myself a shelter. Not that I think the world's going to end, but I just think it would be a fun thing to play with. Anyhow, let's get into the anniversary giveaway. I'm going to be giving away three books to three separate people. And the reason I want to give away books this time is because simply we're all on our phones too much. We're all on the computers too much. Every time you're holding your devices or on your computer, you're just constantly getting bad news about what's going on with coronavirus. It's very unfortunate, and it's bombarding our minds completely, not giving us a minute rest. So I've been reading a lot lately, and I think everybody should be reading a little bit more. I have some fascinating books that I want to give away. So all you got to do to be entered into this one is leave us a review in the iTunes podcast store. Leave us a nice review. Send me a screenshot of your review, either by email, youarenotagoat at gmail.com, or you can send it to me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Get my attention, and I will pick three winners. Each one will get a book. Uh, trust me, interesting books that I've read and I endorse. You're going to love them. Additionally, I am making a lot more content now. There's two YouTube videos that I released this week alone, and there will be another few next week and in the following few weeks. This whole coronavirus thing is making everyone consume more online content, so I am creating more online content. Check that out on my YouTube channel. The link is in the description below this podcast. We also have links to my social media pages. Follow if interested. Don't follow if you're not interested. And just take it easy. Relax. Try to stay calm. Stay sane. We're all locked into our homes. We're all in the same situation. So it's important to just do whatever you need to do to get past this. And hopefully the world will be back to itself very soon, better than ever. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you next week. You are not a goat. The podcast for you.